Attention Strictly Hoop Talk and Strictly Hip Hop listeners. Fans, you know I've been talking about this clothing line forever, but Anti Forever USA is where you need to be to get dope clothes, man. I'm telling you, I just got a hoodie in the mail today. It is awesome. It is one of their premium uh, hoodies, and they have they have so much more, though, than hoodies. They have beanies. They have hats. They have long sleeves. They have t-shirts. They have everything, and they got more stuff coming soon. I was just told that they have more stuff coming soon, so fans... Go to Anti Forever USA today and remember to use the special co- promo code PLATTY to get 10% off your purchase. That's P-L-A-T-T-E. And make sure you know that the P is capital. The link will be in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti Forever USA today. AntiForeverUSA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty. I don't know what episode this is. I know I do the episodes on Strictly Hip Hop, but I gotta, I gotta jump in and start doing that and go back and kind of add up the numbers and everything and get the Strictly Hoop Talk to be on episode numbers. But episode whatever, and joining me for the um, umpteenth time is fan favorite NBA NBA guy. NBA insider, oh, yeah. Max. Max, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm excited. It's we've waited a whole year to know the the outcome of the finals between the Warriors and Cavs. So let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, who could have guessed this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm no betting man, but this seemed like a fairly uh, safe bet to make. Yeah. In October. Right, and I'm sure. <laughs> and it's come to fruition. Yeah, and I'm sure if the, unless something dramatic happened off season and these teams stayed the same, it'll probably be the same thing next year. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how it's that's how it's gonna be. So, all right. So this is actually kind of a big deal. This is the third time third consecutive time the Cavs and Warriors have met in the finals. This is the trilogy, as as it's being referred to. Uh, but it's more than likely, like you alluded to, going to be a saga more than a trilogy. Yep. But um, this is anyways the first time in NBA history that um, three straight years, uh, the same two teams have met in the NBA finals. And also, it is the fourth time in all of American sports that it has happened. Um, but I cannot name any of the other three times. Yeah, so, I mean, all I know is those, those are the numbers, those are the big deal. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at that. I thought maybe in the 80s the Celtics and the Lakers would have met three straight times because I know they met like yeah. at least five or six, right, or something like that. So I'm kind of surprised yeah. that they Or the 60s. Yeah, or the, oh, yeah, or when the Celtics and Jerry West were playing, I guess, <laughs> back in the 50s. I mean, yeah. that far. So, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised yeah. at that. And I don't know about, I mean, I 
I could try to think about the other sports, but that you, I'd have to need like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I would have no clue guessing. I couldn't even, I couldn't even guess um, one of them. I don't even know what sports they. They could all be in hockey or baseball or football. I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah. But anyways, we're here to talk NBA. Yes, sir. And so, again, like you said, very predictable. Cleveland Warriors. Cleveland looked kind of shaky coming into the playoffs. Um, and you know, you and I were both on the side of the Cavs will get their shit together. Yeah. The Cavs are the Cavs. LeBron is LeBron. LeBron doesn't give a shit about the regular season. And so, you know, and we were right. Here we are. Um, it's It wasn't a bold take. A lot of people said it. So I'm not trying to credit us by any means, but just saying this is how we got here. And um, the Warriors, the Warriors look great as well. Coming out of the West, they're undefeated. The Cavs only lost one game to Boston and Isaiah Thomas-less Boston, which was an interesting turn of events. But um, anyways, so we're here. And we'll start with the Cavs, the defending champs. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each team and say, how do they win this series? Um, keeping it as realistic as possible. Not saying, you know, if uh, if Steph Curry, KD, and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green go down, then the war, then the Cavs will probably win. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep it to realistic, uh, realistic, um, how do you say it? Uh, Possibly. Just realistic predictions and yeah. stuff. And, and Barring injuries, and situations. Right? Barring injuries, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, if one, yeah. if one of those teams loses, one of their big three or big four, then it's going to be really hard for the other team to rebound and win. Let's be real. So yeah, yeah. these are barring injuries. Everybody's healthy, and yeah. All right, yeah. So again, we'll start with the Cavs, the defending champ. So um, I was one who was on the Cleveland bandwagon all year, saying um, I started the season saying Cavs. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll save my prediction for the end. I won't, I won't spoil it now. But um, anyways, I've been going with the Cavs, and this has been my thing all season long. And it hasn't really changed, obviously. Uh, and so here, here are the points that I've had. So when you look at this series in a vacuum, it, disregarding, disregarding the team names and, and all biases, you look at which team has potentially the greatest player ever and the best, by far the best player on the court. The team that actually has the better point guard in the head-to-head matchup. Check the numbers. Kyrie owned Steph Curry not only last year in the finals, but in the previous, uh, but in the previous finals, even though it was only one game, uh, Kyrie did get the best of Curry. And so, uh, again, again, Kyrie has won that matchup head-to-head. You know, and then and then you talk about give me the team, give me the team that has the versatility to play more than one way because the Cavs can play both finesse and and rough style basketball. They can play both ways. We've seen it in the finals against the Warriors that they they rough they roughed them up. They they slowed it down. They made it a grind out game. But then this year in the playoffs, we've seen them you know score a bazillion points on teams and just win that way. So they've. They've won with the three point shot and they've won with just um just defense and and you know, just being um smart situationally on defense. So when you add all those things in a vacuum, they should be the favorite, in my opinion. Now I don't know the actual Vegas numbers, but I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in saying that I know that last I checked that the Warriors have a 
I'll say comfortable uh, margin in terms of the Vegas odds. I don't remember the number offhand. I wish I did. I think it's two, but um, it's uh, not. I think it's minus two thirty for the series for the uh, for the Warriors. So they're okay. almost a two okay, one yeah. dog. The, the Warriors. Yeah. The Cavs okay. Are. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah. So anyways, yeah. So so but anyways, just um, going back to my point um, earlier about you know having the best player on the court, potentially the best player ever. Then you have. Then you have the point guard who's won the head-to-head matchup, and you have um, and you have a team continuity. Um, the Cleveland team has gelled. I know they have a few more rotational pieces, uh, but um, they they have uh, they they've integrated. They've made less changes. The Warriors adding Kevin Durant was a much more dynamic, much more impactful change as opposed to adding a Kyle Korver. Adding a not saying that these guys don't impact because they're huge impacts, but. You know, when you when you add a star, that's a huge difference than adding role players. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so when you factor in all these things, um, plus, like I said, the versatility to play it several ways, several styles. Um, what do, what do you think about about these assessments? Like, am I am I wrong in saying any of this? No, I mean, he's LeBron is the arguably the best player, not named Michael Jordan. You know, we could have that discussion, but I he yeah. is probably the best player in the NBA him and him and Kawhi you know Kawhi's been stepping up because LeBron defensively a little bit he's he's not as great as he used to be but he's still he's still LeBron James he's still dominating these playoffs until he actually had a I guess he was sick in game three against the the, the Celtics that was the uh the diagnosis <laughs> right. which I'm like all right whatever but other than that that dude um He's become, I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe he's saving his body, but, like, my biggest criticism of him has always been, like, dude, you're 6'8", you're 270, you're as quick as a guard. When you, when, you, when they put little guys on you or something like that, or big guys, drive to the rim, back him down. And this postseason, he has been attacking like crazy. And that's what, I, like, I'm finally seeing from LeBron, like, all right, like, this fool's for real this year. Like, he's not settling for jumpers, even though his jump shot, has, his jumper has been great. So I, I I get why you're high on LeBron, you're high on the Cavs. I understand Kyrie is phenomenal head to head. So yeah, no, you make some great points. Well, um, um, assessing the the Cavs. Yeah, and so so I mean yeah, when you look at those in a vacuum, not not uh, regarding any team biases, how the teams have performed, whatever. You look at just those simple matchup X and O's factors, and you think, okay, Cleveland's got a shot. And I don't know how many people are actually giving Cleveland a shot, which is crazy considering what they did last year. But you know, it's also it's 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 also you see both sides. You know, the Warriors were seventy three and nine, then added Kevin Durant. But then also on the other side, LeBron and the Cavs beat the Warriors last year. So how do they not stand any chance? And they have, a, in my opinion, a better roster. You know, some have said it's older, whatever, but. Um, you know, having Kyle Korver in the corner against Iman Shumpert, and I think this is a big thing. Having Kyle Korver slash J.R. Smith in the corner at all times against the Warriors instead of having J.R. Smith, who struggled last year in the finals against against the Warriors and who I expect to be much better than last year, and Iman Shumpert, who just straight up cannot shoot, that's going to be a huge difference because the Warriors predicated their defense on just on being able to play five-on-four basketball because of E-Man Shumpert. Right. Now, I don't know how much time he'll get, but, um, but you know, when you have a guy like Corver or J.R. Smith in the corner as opposed to E-Man, 
that totally changes the dynamics of the the Warriors' defense, right? Yeah, but you're also losing. Uh, even though J.R. Smith's offense struggled, he was like big when he, on defensively in the finals. He actually balled out. Yeah. You now the Knicks fans were like, "All right, who? Where's this J.R. Smith from? Was it a <laughs> contract year, or did he just like wanted to you know win and wanted to prove everybody wrong?" So you're subbing both of those in. And um, yeah, I, 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 me and you loved the Kyle Culver. I said it was unfair. You know, he's never gonna get better looks in his life than he is with LeBron yeah. James. You know, and Kyrie, who always who attacks the, the paint. So yeah, that is actually one of my uh, talking points about like why the Cavs are um, are gonna have to go above and beyond to be you know with their three point shooting because that's what they've been doing great. That's why they've been having an historic offensive. Uh, postseason so far and I think when me and you did a preview of the playoffs we were both set still said like you know we don't we don't feel comfortable with their defense but we both said well we're not picking anybody because the, the Cavs offense is unreal and you know what they freaking proved it and they became like I think they have the 120 points per 100 possessions which is the highest ever um, since they started keeping that stat so obviously their offense has, hasn't slowed down but I think as much as I love the Corver at the corner, which is going to help him tremendously, I don't know how much it's going to be a factor with uh, on de- uh, he's going to be a, li- a liability on defense because all the other players aren't that great defensively. So I'm sure Tyrone Liu and I'm sure they, they're going to come up with a game plan to have who, what, and in what certain situations. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. Iman Shumper, even though his defense has, like, uh, not as great as it used to be. I think like when he was with the Knicks, he was a great defender. Then he had tore his knee, and then he's been so-so. But you have a, when you add a Kyle Korver and you put him at the corner, and now you have to worry about him. It's pretty much the opposite of having at like what happened last year. LeBron James was um, like playing free safety with Harrison Barnes and Draymond Green, right? Until like even though Draymond Green had a monster game seven, but the other games. LeBron was shadowing Harrison Barnes, and Harrison Barnes, he didn't show up. I don't know if you remember, like, yeah. he was awful, and they kept oh, yeah. giving him threes to shoot. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, they kept giving him threes to shoot, and he kept bricking and bricking and bricking. Now, obviously, they have somebody different now in Durant, and we'll get to the Warriors in a little bit, but, yeah, you're you're absolutely right with putting Corver there because now you can't really cheat away, you know what I mean? You can't, like, try to uh, have somebody... Uh, trying to shadow LeBron, even though like I think they might just let him go one on one because there's too many uh, weapons. So yeah, it's it's a huge deal. You have somebody in the corner that can knock three. So I agree. Yeah, and you know what? Two more things I want to add really quickly um, on the Cavs side, and then you can add anything if you want. Yeah. But I want to bounce these ideas off you. Yep. So these are these are kind of just in theory, not really just metrics, just kind of common knowledge basketball things but they're things that I don't think people are really talking about and I know that the Warriors have been great at protecting the rim this year but you look at last year when Andrew Bogut went down LeBron James walked to the rim for those last like I think it was what two and a half or three games essentially yeah um without without Bogut and LeBron just got to the rim with such ease and I'm sorry but you can't have I don't. I don't know. I don't trust Javale McGee and all these other and Zaza Pachulia, you know, um, to be more effective at protecting the rim than Andrew Bogut was because LeBron was still getting to the rim even with a guy like Bogut. 
Well, with Bogut, he was at least deterring quite a few shots and, you know, just kind of altering shots and making it at least semi-difficult for LeBron to get baskets at the rim, or buckets at the rim. But now, you know, Kyrie and LeBron were just getting to the rim effortlessly those last three games. And, you know, call me old-fashioned, like, look, I get that three-pointers are greater than twos, but in theory, if you're having LeBron James, one of the greatest finishers of all time at the rim, as well as Kyrie, who I think is actually in that discussion as well, he's very yeah, good at finishing at the rim. Yeah, he's amazing. Very at the creative. Rim. Yeah, very, very creative and just overall very efficient at finishing at the rim. So can't you argue that Cavaliers are going to get more efficient looks than Golden State on a on a the- theoretical basis? Yeah, uh, you, because you, of because of yeah. how they get to the rim and and the lack of quote-unquote rim protection that the Warriors have. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I think that's a great point. However, I think the, uh, the Kevin Durant factor, it's like, I know he's not as, uh, as wide as Andrew Bogut, but he's also seven feet. And I think yeah. he, that's been very underrated for, and obviously I don't think it's been underrated, but I think sometimes people see Durant as like, oh, they're going small ball, and it's like, well, he's seven feet, you know, so he's not yeah. he's not no slouch. So I think him adding him too is gonna actually improve them trying to get to the paint because now it's it's kinda unfair having to throw you can throw Draymond at LeBron, then you can throw Iggy at LeBron, you know. Those guys could actually yeah. I'm not saying they're gonna shut him down, but they could actually like try to slow him down if that's a better term. And when you throw multiple yeah. bodies, then you're no you don't have to um, you don't have to make Durant uh, like work as hard guarding LeBron like what he was on with OKC. So that is going to be a, I think that will benefit the Warriors um, not as much as like with Bogut, but like when Bogut went out, I think if they had a Durant, then he, it wouldn't have been as easy for Kyrie and LeBron. And I think people uh, mistake the Warriors because they always say like they're not good on the uh, on the glass. And I think they were like. A top five defensive rebounding uh, efficiency, if that gives any, you know, I know people don't like extra yeah. step, um, like advanced yeah. stats, but that's a that's a big stat. Like they're not giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. Which, if that if they keep that up, then they eliminate who is somebody big for uh, the Cavs, which is Tristan Thompson. Because with LeBron and Kyrie getting to the paint, as you said, as easy as they did, and if even if Durant could. Um, affect their shot, or even if JaVale McGee could affect their shot. Tristan Thompson somehow, some way, always gets to the ball. And Kevin Love, when you know he's no slouch either on offensive boards. So it's it's going to be very interesting interesting to see if the Cavs are going to go back to that game plan and continue to hit the paint because in this in this postseason, I think they've been, they've been getting 33 free throws attempts a game, and if they continue that, they'll definitely have a chance. But they've been also shooting, I think, making 14 or 15 threes a game. So I think a part of me was going to say, like, if the Cavs keep shooting threes and making 15 a game, then they'll probably end up winning the series or, you know, at least take it to seven. Um, or, you know, I, I don't, I'm not giving my predictions out. But you're right. I think they need to attack the paint more than just settle for threes because they have been settling for a lot of threes. And the Warriors do guard the three-point line very well. They were eighth this season and going three-point line. So if I'm with you, they got to go back and attack the paint and not settle for jumpers because as much as everybody's falling in love with it, LeBron's never really been a great shooter. 
So that whole nonsense he was doing with playing with the ball and them launching threes and them being on fire, it's, this is a different beast now that they're dealing with. So if I'm them, I go back to attack the rim, maybe get some people in foul trouble, but but you saw what happened in, in, from games five to game seven, right? Bogut went down, Draymond wasn't there. They just attacked, 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 and the Warriors couldn't do anything about it. So, yeah, they got to they gotta somehow still continue to attack, even though Durant's going to help them down low, but I do think the Cavs need to like not shoot as many threes as they have been. Yeah, those are all good points. And uh, to the rebounding point, I, I pulled up the uh, 2016 finals while you were, um, like the whole finals recap while you were uh, while you were talking. And the rebounding advantage goes as follows. Golden State had a total of 279 rebounds and Cleveland had a total of of um 307 so a uh so you know about a plus 30 margin difference um so not not huge in a seven game series but that is a couple rebounds a game and you know when it comes down to a game seven that comes down to a final shot those can be factors so yeah golden state is not getting killed on the glass but cleveland i do expect will have that advantage again this year even though um, Golden State does, like you said, with, with Kevin Durant, he's a sneaky small ball player because he's not technically small. So he's not like, so, you know, when you have him at the four or even the five, it's not that bad because he's also a seven footer. So it's not like you're sacrificing. It's not like you're literally sacrificing size like most lineups do with the small ball. That's why it's called small ball. But um, anyways, one more point. One more thing I want to point out, and then we'll transition into um, into into the Warriors side of things. And you kind of alluded to it, and so I, I think you perfectly led me into it. And that is that last year the Warriors had the deeper bench, but this year Cleveland has the much deeper bench, right? Like Cleveland has the versatility. They have the defense, uh, or sorry, the the um, the deep bench rather. And so when you have that advantage, that's another big advantage that we kind of um, that we kind of saw. And you know the Warriors didn't really have a depth up front. Now this year they kind of do with David West, Zaza Pachulia, Javale McGee, as well as Durant and Draymond both being able to play bigs. Yeah. So that won't be a problem against Cleveland. But overall, just looking at the surface surface level bench depth, Cleveland has the much deeper team. So that's another advantage too. Yeah, I mean the only the only thing is if listen if if they can get a Duran uh, Darren Williams that played like the, I think it was Game Five against the Celtics when he was lighting it up, then that's going to be very interesting to see how the benches play, because everybody all everyone loves Sean Livingston and rightfully so he runs the offense still it's not like they skip a beat when he comes in, and if Williams could be that point guard, and sometimes even if they go small, and he, Kyrie can play off the ball too, then yeah that's going to help them out. Um, I don't know if having a, like a very deep bench is going to be beneficial, especially for um, like the Warriors are always going to have a super a star or two stars in there. So I don't know if that's obviously look. I don't know what Tyrone Lue is going to be doing with his rotations, but I think having a deep bench is going to be good and bad, just depending on the game. You know what I mean? Like who's who's like on right. or you know if if you know you're going to your bench. You're clearing out like a lot of people because you know Kyrie needs a break from like uh, chasing Curry around and all that. So yeah, that's gonna of, of course helping help the Cavs out by having a deeper bench. But if that's gonna be the case, then 
you're going to have to have people step up and like actually felicitate and like actually come out there and actually run the offense and not just depend on just Kyrie and LeBron because if you in game 4 against the Celtics you saw Kyrie just went bananas which was great cuz obviously Ky- but Kyrie could always go bananas but to me I was more impressed with game 5 and how Darren Williams and the bench played for the South, for the uh, for the Cavs so yeah the deep bench could be very very good for the for the Cavs if their de- if their bench can continue to play or play at a high level but if they're not up to that up to that point and they're not up to par then I don't know if that's going to really help them because like if the Warriors start the second quarter with Durant coming in and who's who who are the Cavs going to have you know I mean they could have Kevin Love or you know Darren Williams why Kyrie and LeBron rest or are they going to rest LeBron at Kyrie at the end of the first quarter so you can bring him in at the end of, at the beginning of the second because you know the Warriors could definitely have two stars sit at the end of the quarter and still have two of their great stars and then start it at the second. So as much as I love like the having a deep bench talk, I think for this finals, I think LeBron and Kyrie are going to have to be playing like 40-plus minutes a game. No question, in my my opinion, because yeah. they, they, you can just tell like how much those two mean to that team by when like LeBron got in foul trouble or didn't play well or when like Kyrie just took over. So I think... It's gonna be. Uh, they have deep benches, but I feel like the Cavs might need might need to just make it into a eight, maybe nine man rotation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we always hear the old old saying goes. You know, you know how it goes. It's just basically that rotations get shorter in the playoffs. Yeah. So you know, as much as having the next man up is helpful, sometimes it just never comes to that. Frankly. And it never and it never manifests to a situation where sometimes it just doesn't manifest to a situation where the where having that extra player, that extra two players actually means something because, you know, straight up um, you could get outperformed or or whatever happens or you just don't even need that player. And so, you know, bench bench depth is kind of relative depending on the series and it depends on how the series goes. But like you said, it's always a good thing to have. And you alluded to it. That the Warriors sacrificed bench depth, but they got another star, and that's a big thing because having, you know, Durant now instead of Harrison Barnes, everybody, you know, talks about they basically traded Bogut and Barnes for Kevin Durant. What a what a deal, blah blah blah. But the 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 simple matter of the fact is, regardless of the stars and who they are, it's just having another star. Like you said, they have four stars. Cleveland legit has three, and so. When you have four stars in Golden State, you can play. You can play two on the court at all times, essentially, and, and you can guarantee that there will be in pretty much every situation. There, there should never be a reason why all four of them sit at once. So you will always have a star level player on the floor if you're Golden State. Cleveland, again, you probably will just because you know with three, that's still very manageable to have one star on the court at all times. But Golden State should theoretically throughout this entire series never have more than a three-minute stint where there's where there's uh, less than two stars yep. on the court, and and that's a huge advantage. It's a big, it's a big, big advantage. <laughs> I mean, if I just I, I think people like the average fan maybe they don't see it as much as like when the star like they always say like oh my god why is like Kobe hasn't came back in you know. 
it's already the seventh minute of the of the quarter, and it's like you gotta understand, they gotta take breaks, man. You know, like they gotta recover right. to finish out the game. But like, when you have a Durant, who's probably you know top three, top four player in the NBA, come in to start the second quarter against most likely your bench, it's like oh that's unfair. And now you you team him up with either a Clay or a Draymond, depending on how you know the rotations is. That's even. You know, it's even bigger. Like, now you got to worry about those guys, too. So you're not only – usually when bench players come in, you know, you have to worry about their six-man or their instant offense, you know, like a Jamal Crawford or whatever. But this ain't Jamal Crawford. You know, this is like right. Durant. This is Kevin this is, Durant. Yeah, so yeah. I think that is going to be very, very interesting uh, for uh, bench play because when it comes down to it, it is going to be that. Like, who's going to be able to step up for the Cavs and if the Warriors are going to, like, just – you know, be the Warriors. Yeah. All right, so I think we're ready to transition to Golden State. So let's talk Golden State for a little, and then we'll do our one our one key thing to look out for, and then we'll give our predictions. Um, so the Golden State Warriors, and now I wrote down a few things. Um, obviously, the Kevin Durant thing is huge, so we're not going to even no. discuss <laughs> that because that's just that's just at this point, that's been watered-down conversation. So let's let's dig a little deeper here. So when I was digging a little deeper here, one thing that might be the biggest difference is Andre Iguodala's health. Yeah. And I I think that in 2015 he was great on LeBron despite LeBron averaging superhuman numbers. <laughs> Iguodala was great on him. Uh, you can't you can't deny that. You can't deny that at all, and so and so he was definitely deserving of the Finals MVP in 2015. But I also think Curry deserved it as well. Mm-hmm. But that's not the argument. Um, so basically, in 2016, Iguodala just kind of looked unhealthy, and uh, you know there were reports. Of course, of course, Curry's healthy now, um, and much more healthy. Uh, but Durant is not a full Durant. He's still dealing with that knee thing. People aren't talking about it, but a strained MCL, that doesn't go that doesn't go away in a couple months. That's something that lingers for months un, until you get an extended rest. The only way that thing goes away is if you don't if is if you rest it for two to three months. You know what I'm saying? Like straight, like no rehab, no nothing, just kind of letting it rest. And and so so you know he's been. Durant's been taking on an NBA work schedule, so I don't believe Durant's fully healthy, but he's very healthy. Uh, he's looked fine in the playoffs. I don't think he's, you know, really had anything that's uh, too scary um, as far as far as I'm concerned. Nothing that's cautioned me, but I still want to put that out there. But anyways, just the Warriors in general being healthier than last year, that's that that's a huge plus. So um, start there. I kind of rambled a bit, but um, let me toss it to you this way. Which is more? Which is more important? Having um, which is more important for the Warriors in this particular series? Is it having Steph Curry healthier? You know, as a, as an offense, as an offensive weapon, of course. Um, or is it having Iguodala's defense? Um, well, I'm gonna go on LeBron. Well, I have to go with Steph Curry offense or healthier right. because it's not just his offense. It's because I think. I'm pretty sure Kyrie's going to be guarding him. And if not, yeah. maybe, you know, I don't, whoever's guarding him. But if Kyrie's guarding Steph, you're chasing him around. 
Steph is not one of those players that come, brings the ball up, gets a screen, and pulls up for a jumper. Steph is one of those players that gives the ball up, and he's, like, moves and doing moves, yeah. 360s and moving around. And people get tired chasing, you know, those kind of players. So I think just by that, have just by him running around and still being able to pull up, uh, put up his shot from anywhere pretty much, it's going to make Kyrie's offense – a little, I don't want to say sluggish because obviously he's a great offensive player, but it's going to get him a little bit more tired. And anytime it's you can, wear. yeah, any any anytime you can get Kyrie like moving and make him tired, that's that's a win. So I think the one dimensional of Iguodala's defense, which is great on LeBron, because LeBron's probably going to be the best player on that court. Um, it's great, but I'd rather have somebody that can drop thirty for me while making the other superstar on the other team run a little bit and get him more tired so yeah that's yeah. i think that's very, a fair point yeah yeah that's a fair point and i and i agree with you but i do think that um Iguodala's defense is very 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 valuable especially in this series um against obviously lebron james and having that third defender because now with durant because yeah. durant played great defense against Kawhi, which i think is something that's still undercut uh underappreciated to this day uh Durant's defense on Kawhi in uh last year's playoffs when he was on OKC uh that that was a huge factor um so so having three defensive studs you can throw on LeBron Draymond uh Durant and Iguodala um that that that's going to make LeBron difficult that's going to make it difficult for LeBron because he's going to have one of those three guys on him all game all series um but anyways with with Steph Curry, you're right. He he is the engine of the offense. Even though Durant is scoring efficiently, and you know everybody talks about how great of a player Durant is, and Durant, in my opinion, is a better player than Curry. Me too. But Curry is the engine of the offense. Um, one thing I would say is that it wouldn't surprise me if, given Clay Thompson's struggles, <laughs> if they throw Kyrie on Clay. But again, it's the same principle because Clay moves around a lot as well. Yep. So there's not really anywhere to mask Kyrie, but um, you know it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland tries to throw Kyrie on Clay um, at least to start the series because Clay has kind of struggled in the playoffs. Um, you know, but you wouldn't notice it judging by how the Warriors are playing and you know how they're undefeated going into the finals. But yeah, Clay Thompson has struggled a bit, and so I would expect Kyrie to be on him. But in, in theory, like you said, he's gonna he's gonna spend time on Curry. And that is going to wear on him, and that is going to be progressive fatigue, and that is a very, very real thing, especially when you're talking June, the end of the the end of the year, um, the end of the basketball season. After you know, starting basically doing workouts in in August, you know, as as early as early as July, but um, most players start around end of August, start gearing up, and then September starts the uh, the camps and everything, the training camps and getting everything going. Then by October, the season starting. So, um, so at, at this point, it it will definitely wear on Kyrie. So that's a, that's a very good point. But anyways, um, uh, what it, what is something I'll let, I'll let you talk for a minute. So um, bounce something, bounce something off me that you think is different with the Warriors uh, this year, um, other I than think, the addition of Durant. I mean, it's so hard to like try to say what's different about them because I want to say they're more unselfish but I mean they were unselfish last year too other than the Durant factor I just think defensively they're crazy better in which I don't 
you know, when, if you would have told me that at the start of the season, I'm like, you're crazy. Like, no way. Like, Bogey was a huge presence for them. But, like, he's just – I like, they're, they're just everywhere when it comes to defense. And their rotation on defense is unbelievable on the pick and roll because they have this thing – I'm, I'm going to try to explain it for the listeners, but it's when somebody when they go on the pick and roll, it's like they rotate in a triangle between three players. So like they never have a, a bad mismatch. And I like if you watch them closely or if you watch uh, a replay of how they move, it's like they they're never in a bad position. Which I have been going crazy watching these playoffs this year, where when James Harden would like come off a pick and roll. And you have the center guard in James Harden or LaMarcus Aldridge when they, when they, in game one when he was tearing them apart. And I'm sitting there like, Pop, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, you know that's not going to be a, a good matchup. But it's happening everywhere. It's not just the Spurs. The Celtics, when they were getting slaughterhouse in the first two games against the Cavs, they were doing the same thing. Like, every time they switch, it's like Al Hofer is guarding LeBron James or Isaiah Thomas is guarding LeBron James. Like, what? What are you guys doing switching these? Like, Figure something out, and I think the Warriors. If you watch them play closely, they they like they'll have somebody run up to this to the pick and roll to the whoever setting the pick, and then somebody will like I think Ugadala will go down or someone big will go down, so they so they can like have at least a better matchup and not be always a bad matchup with LeBron versus like say Javale McGee or LeBron versus a Curry. So that to me is I was very surprised about how their defense either didn't skip a beat or actually to me got better and in these playoffs. They've been nothing but phenomenal on defense too. So I think that's one thing that people are trying. Like, like we like we discussed earlier, right? On the glass, you know, you even said it. Like the paint, the, they got the Cavs have to attack the paint because Bogey was huge, and you saw what happened last year. But I think slightly better team this year with Durant, and I think he actually made them a better defensive defensive team. So I don't know. I don't know how. Because, you know, to me, Durant hasn't always been that great defensive player. But like you said, last year he shut down Kawhi Leonard. And to touch back on a little bit what you said about Iguodala, because if Iguodala isn't healthy, that actually does factor in into Durant's defense too. Because if he has to guard LeBron when Draymond's out, then that also gives Kyrie the paint and whoever wants to hit the paint. Because who are they going to have? Zaza? JaVale McGee? Like, come on. Let's be real. Like, they're not that right. great. Of, yeah, they're not great. So, so yeah, that to me is they got to stay healthy and their health was huge for them especially in the playoffs so i think defensively they've been amazing and i that's something i didn't i didn't think would happen still i thought that maybe they'd drop a little bit because they we went the offensive way with um getting durant and um shorting how deep their bench is because that's what they were great at right strength and numbers but then when they got rid of all these players just to make room for durant i thought man maybe they're gonna struggle defensively and they haven't they've actually been better yeah. Yeah, you bring up a great point and that's something that, you know, I'm I'm of course is being talked about the fact that the Warriors are by far the best offensive but as well as the best defensive team Cavs face in the playoffs and it's not even close when you yeah. look at the defensive end of the ball. Uh Golden State is just great and you know, their switchability, like you said, their ability to never really have a matchup for LeBron or Kyrie to specifically attack um, you know, you, they will do. They will still do. Uh, Cleveland will definitely run those Kyrie, Kyrie, LeBron pick and rolls again because uh, they get Steph on them. Of course, that's that's going to be one of their go-to um, offensive offensive sets or offensive uh, moves is to to create that LeBron on Curry mismatch again. But outside of that, I mean, they really don't have other matchups that 
will be a definite mismatch for LeBron. Um, so that's so that's huge, you know. And 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 Iguodala's defense is going to be a big part of that. His ability to give Durant a break and Draymond a break, you know. And and again, we've seen it before with LeBron. The best way to stop LeBron is to have multiple capable bodies defending LeBron. That's the best way to slow him down. Yep. Is to just kind of throw different looks at him and kind of keep him uh keep him allow him to or make him focus on who's guarding him as opposed to everything else that's happening and when you do that you kind of take LeBron out of his zone out of his ability to to focus on the cuts the 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 sets everything um you know so so it's things like that that kind of take LeBron out of rhythm and that's and that's a big part of it you know and and if LeBron starts making a few on Iguodala he starts getting comfortable, but then bam, you throw Draymond on him. Then all of a sudden, he's got to adjust, and you know he's he's not thinking about the pass anymore. He's thinking about how do I adjust to this matchup. And so the Warriors' capable bodies will be huge. Uh, the fact that they'll be able to have people on Kyrie as well. I think I think uh, Curry, I think Curry, uh, Clay, Draymond, and Kevin Durant, all of those guys can switch on to uh, Kyrie and do an adequate job at times, so that's huge. Um, one thing I do want to mention, and this is kind of, this is kind of more on the Cleveland side, but I think it it's an it's it's something that needs to be talked about on this side of the podcast with the Warriors, and that's Kevin Love because I have here uh, the numbers on the playoffs, and when I was doing the research. Okay, so LeBron, of course, led Cleveland in minutes at uh, 292 minutes played. Kyrie was right behind at 273. But then Kevin Love only played 158. And now that was something I was adamant last year that the Warriors were going to win, and they were going to win in five. So I was totally wrong. And I thought one of the reasons was the mismatch that Kevin Love will be defensively. And I've always said that Kevin Love is not a terrible defender, but he's far from, but he's far from great and he's below average. And so what I'm saying with this is that with with Kevin Love now and, and with the addition of Kevin Durant, Kevin Love now is more of a defensive liability than ever before because you know you now you can't um run him against Harrison Barnes yep. and you know expect to do okay and you know he's not going to he's not going to have that stop against Steph Curry every play. Uh you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like so, so is Kevin Love going to see more or less minutes in this series? That's something interesting. That's something I want to uh, jump into right now, and that's and that that's going to be my thing to watch right now. Is that is Kevin Love going to uh, is Kevin Love going to play more or less minutes? What do you think about that? I mean, I think he should play a little bit more minutes um, because even though he's such a bad like def- he matchup defensively. He's still been playing pretty good this postseason. And I think, again, even though, back to my point earlier, I know they've been, like, red hot from three-pointers, and I think they've made like almost two more than any team in playoff history or something like that per game at, like, 14-point-something. But, again, the Warriors guard the three-point line, as the, the you know, really, really well. And if Kevin, if they can get Kevin Love down low, on offense, that's how they're gonna have to exploit Kevin Durant. Even though I love Kevin Durant, the defensive player, he's he he uh, Kevin Love is too big. So if if he's guarding him, post him up, put him in the, you know what I mean, get him, get him, get him in the, get him down there, 
back him down, maybe getting in foul trouble. And so I think they might have to do that. But at the same time, if the Warriors come out and they're just running their pick and rolls, they're pick and pop, and they're going to town and they're exploiting that defensively, that, that matchup at the start of the game, and you can't get down right 10, 15, 20 points, not at Oracle. So I don't. I think a part of me wants to be like they have to play him a little bit more minutes, but I I don't know. I mean it, it depends how they're gonna how they're gonna run their offense and how they're gonna use them because if if they think they're gonna get there and they're gonna do pick and pops again with him for threes, then he better be making fifty percent like he has been, or else like you're right, it's gonna be a bigger liability than ever before. So I'm gonna go with they need to play him a little bit more. But I'm not like fully confident on it. I know I just gave you like a thing of why I should I would play him more, but then I kind of backtracked a little bit because I just think that you have to get some one of those guys in foul trouble, and the best way to do that, bang, bang down low. Durant doesn't like to bang down low. Everybody knows that. So if you can get him to, if you can wear him out a little bit, then maybe maybe that could be a plus for the uh, for the Cavs using Kevin Love more. Backtrack Max makes a return to the podcast. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a very interesting thing. I agree with you. I would play him more simply because also another thing is he provides great offensive and defensive rebounding. Again, that's going to be one of the matchups that Cleveland is going to have to go for and attack because um, they're going to need second-chance points against Golden State. And, you know, when you have an advantage against a team like Golden State, you don't have many. So when you have one, you have to attack it and go at it. So I would expect Kevin Love to play more. And he is playing better this postseason. I think he's been phenomenal. Uh, And so, yeah, but I I also could see both sides. So I see what you're saying, but I would play him more. I'm with you. I think that, that, you know, he's a star. And at the end of the day, you're going to need all the star power you can get against this Warriors team. So um, why don't you... Go ahead, Max, and uh, give me your one thing you're looking forward to in this series, and then we'll get to our predictions. I'm looking forward to how the Warriors are going to come back after being embarrassed by 3-1 because I'm I'm with you. I think what you said earlier about how you thought it would be Warriors in five and you were completely wrong, you weren't completely wrong. There was just a boneheaded play that Draymond Green did that changed the whole series. They weren't going to win game five if Draymond is not suspended. I don't care what anybody says. I They weren't going to win that game. So I think that embarrassment that they had, I think that with the with the Cavs having the 3-1 uh, um, like Halloween Cookies. party with rest in peace to Steph Curry and Clay, I think that is the one thing, well, one, the one thing that's going to motivate them. And you know, as crazy as it is, the Warriors haven't lost a game in the playoffs, correct? And Clay right. Thompson has nowhere yep. to be found. I mean, not nowhere to be found, but he's playing. He hasn't been playing good at all. So, just just put that. If people put that in your mind, this dude Clay is one of the top twenty players in the NBA. One of the best two-way players in the NBA. He's shooting like thirty-three percent from the field, and the Warriors still ran the table. Now there were some injuries, whatever. I mean, we everybody could debate that, but still, like. They still ran the table with Clay Thompson not playing very well. So I think that is the one thing I'm going to take. Because I know if I blew a 3-1 lead, I mean, I was, I'm was i a diehard Yankee fan, and I still can't get over the 3-0 lead they blew to the Red Sox. So I can only imagine how mm-hmm. the Warriors feel, and I can only imagine how Draymond, who I, I know in the back of his head is thinking, it's my fault that we lost. Even though he had a great game seven and, dropped, and all scored like 20-something or 30 points, I know that he's – 
one of the like uh, people that has that revenge in his head. And Durant, don't forget about Durant. Last time he went to the finals, yep. he got embarrassed to, the, to a, a LeBron-led team with the Heat. So I think the factor of revenge and the factor of like getting embarrassed is is the thing that uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna play a matchup for me. Yeah. And that's that's very interesting, and that's part of the reason why I'm making the prediction I'm making. So let me kick it off and give you my prediction. All right, so I went back and forth with this a lot. Um, you, you know, as you can tell on this podcast, I reasonably see both sides winning this series. I really do. I don't think this is all Golden State. However, and I've stuck with Cleveland all year, but I'm going to go Golden State. Oh, I think no. they've just proved. <laughs> They've just proven to me, you know what? I'm going Golden State in six, and this is why this is why I have these. I have reasons for this. So I think that the Cavs, just that level, their offensive levels are so close, but there's that huge drop off in defense with the Cavs versus the the Warriors. So I think that's a huge thing. I think the Warriors just simply have more stars. They have more matchups they can exploit as opposed to Cleveland. Um, and, you know, like you said, this reminds me a lot of the 2014 San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of that. The team that felt they should have won, and then they just came back and just beat the hell out of Miami the next year. And, you know, granted Miami had its problems, and Cleveland looks to be much more functioning than Miami was at that point. But still, I think that, the Warriors want this really bad. They have talked about it all year, and the Cavs want it too. So I'm not saying that the the Warriors or that the Cavs are just kind of going to come in this half-heartedly. No, they're not. They want this matchup. They want this matchup, but the Warriors really, really want this matchup. They want it more because they have that sour taste in their mouth, losing Game 7 on their home floor, being the first team to ever blow a 3-1 lead. And I think that's just going to be a huge, huge motivation for all these guys, especially guys like Draymond, especially guys like Steph. And you know what? Draymond, you know, you can call him a hothead, you can call him whatever, but at the end of the day, he doesn't, he's not in the same situation he was last year because that game five suspension, you're right, shouldn't, I said it shouldn't have happened, but it was a combination of what he did that led up to that suspension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, this year he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that history. He's nowhere near the text or the or the flagrants or any of those point totals to equal a suspension. So unless this game unless this series goes seven and Draymond Green's picking up one two texts and one two flagrant fouls a game, he's not gonna be suspended. Yeah. And so so he's he's good. He's gonna be able to play Draymond Green. And that is huge to me. Because I thought that even in uh, even when you got to Game Five, you started to see the shift in Draymond, where he had to, um, where he had, where he knew he had to watch what he was doing, and you know he just had that lapse judgment. The the you know emotions got the best of him, and he did what he did and got suspended. And so, anyways, with that being said, Draymond now has a situation where he can be just wild Draymond Green pretty much all series. As long as he doesn't knock someone's head off, he's gonna he's gonna play this entire series, and so that's huge. Um, of course, obviously the the addition of Durant, we don't need to go into that, but it just seems like this just seems like one of those things that's set 
in favor of the Warriors. And they have the star power. And, and, you know, and it's just so hard, though. It's so hard for me to go against LeBron. It really is in this series. After how much respect I gained for LeBron, LeBron led, and I don't know if you heard this stat, Max. I'm sure you did. But LeBron led every single category, every single major category in the NBA Finals last year. He had the most yeah. points, the most rebounds, the most blocks, the most steals, the most assists. That is insane to have one player dominate the five major categories in basketball in a game seven, in a seven-game series with multiple stars and multiple Hall of Famers. So that was that was just my respect for LeBron is there. And so I do I do seriously say that I can see the Cavs pulling this off. I, I don't know if you can, but and I'm not trying to hedge my bet at all because I'm going Warriors in six. And the other reason I'm taking Warriors in six is because the last two finals, it has been one on the opposing team's court. So I'm predicting that Golden State does it, continues to have it, and wins it back again in Cleveland for the second time. Um, yeah, wow. I thought you were going to go to the Cavs, to be honest with you, because I know me and you have been like uh, picking Cavs. I've been on the Warriors all year, and I know at the trade deadline you said, I love what the Cavs doing, and then we got into like one of our only like disagreements to be honest with you and you said you, you said <laughs> I love the Cavs winning and I'm like nah I'm sticking with the Warriors I got Durant Curry I don't need anybody I, you know LeBron doesn't have a Kawhi or somebody else you know that that big of a star power to match up with Durant and Curry um I have been in love with this Warriors team as a fan and be, I've been just watching the playoffs and I think when they played the Jazz I said the over under for me the Warriors losing a game is one and everybody was coming at me like hard. And I'm like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, they, you got to give respect to Pop. And I was like, Pop to me is the greatest coach of all time. Uh, I love Kawhi, but I just, for some reason, I thought when Durant exploded for, I think, 19 or 21 points in that third quarter against the Jazz, I was like, oh, my God. Like him and Curry just went bananas. And I was just like, How's, who's going to stop these the, these guys? Now, I was like, Think when I watch when we watched Game One of the Finals, I was like, or the Conference Finals, I was like, man, there goes my one. Uh, they're gonna lose only one game the rest of the, the year prediction, and obviously Kawhi went down. So you know, I got a couple of people telling me like, well, Kawhi went down, so you you shouldn't get too much credit. I was like, I'm not getting credit for anything. I just think that that's how mm -hmm. that's how good they are. They're the the best offense, the best defense, and in the playoffs, they're second in pace, first in offense, second in points. Only to the uh, per, per hundred possessions, only to the to the Cavs. So, I'm just like, what do you like? What uh, what don't you see? Like this team is phenomenal. I have the Warriors winning at Cleveland to raise this uh, the trophy. However, I have it in four games. I think they're gonna sweep the Cavs, and I think it's because wow. yeah, I know, I know. People have been giving the cat saying Warriors in five because they give respect to LeBron, which is fine. I I I want to give my my respects to LeBron, but. LeBron did something last year that helped them tremendously, and we touched on it. He was shadowing Harrison Barnes, and when you sh and he and he allowed him to play free safety, you can't do that with Durant. And I know, like Durant, you know he has to be money, but like he's not gonna stand in the corner like Barnes. And even if he did stand in the corner like Barnes, he's gonna go. He's he's a better shooter. Obviously, he's one of the top three players in the NBA. So that is to me why it's it's gonna be even harder for the Cavs defensively, even though they've been horrible defensively this year. And then they even I think they um, they improved by three point nine points 
or almost four points per 100 possessions, but that's not saying much in the playoffs. So I still think that with LeBron having to be free safety last year, which helped him tremendously because, you know, LeBron's probably one of the best um, help defensive players now or ever. Um, but now he can't really do that. And you also have to factor Clay Thompson hasn't been shooting well, so who knows how that's going to be. And I just, I don't know. It's something about this Cavs team that tell me, or this Warriors team that just thinks that they're not going to have an answer for Durant. And I've been big on Durant. And I know you said he might be a little bit unhealthy, but I don't think that's going to, I think the ML, uh, MCL sprain is in the back of his head. And we might hear after the series, right, like, oh, Durant's going to get a minor procedure or something like that. We might hear that. But he's going to be, I think, phenomenal. Then you're going to have to decide how Draymond Green is going to be guarded because you can't. Who are you going to put on Draymond? Like a Tristan Thompson or something smaller? You know, Draymond runs the pick and roll with Steph Curry. At, like he's probably one of the best big. I guess he's a considered a big guy, even though he's not. He runs that offense great, and that's what makes them crazy. Like he run a pick and roll with all of them in the ball movement. And my final thing is, Draymond Green ain't going to be messing around this year. And I just I think people underestimate how good of a player he is. As much as we love Durant, as much as we love Curry, as much as we love Clay, Draymond Green was the re- was last year. I said the most important player that the cat that the Warriors can't lose is Draymond Green. Everyone's like, "You're crazy," and I'm like, "No, you're crazy. That dude can play any position, and not just any position. He can do it effectively. He can guard your big. He shuts down Blake Griffin, who I think is overrated, but still, Blake Griffin's bigger than him. He shuts <laughs> him down. He doesn't need help, right? He doesn't need help defense. So, I. I mean, attack me all you guys want. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna backtrack this one. <laughs> Who knows by game one how it's gonna be? But I do think it's gonna be four games. And if I want to be respectable to LeBron James, I'll say five. But I honestly do think it's gonna be four. Okay, you heard it there first from Max. A sweep, LeBron getting swept. That would be the first time since 2007 LeBron has been swept. Yeah, but I that like would what you- be. I honestly, I, I didn't even bring up the Spurs uh, um, revenge factor. And as much as I was on that heat bandwagon too, like, oh, man, they're going to crush him again. And boy, was <laughs> I ever wrong because they didn't just beat the heat. They annihilated the heat. I mean, they went yeah. just, it was embarrassing. So, and, and I know you said that heat team wasn't isn't as good as this Cavs team and they had their issues, but don't you think this Cavs team also has their issues? Because it was almost the same thing, right? The heat did like, go through that Eastern Conference uh, like it was nothing. So, I mean, I'm not going it, to – it's it's crazy. I loved, I love Kyrie. I think he's a hell of a play, offensive player. Excuse me. I think he is amazing to watch. And um, I have argued people, argument with people telling me, like, Curry has a better ball handle. like, no, chill, chill. Like, no, I love Curry, but he, he can't touch Kyrie when it comes to ball handling. So, as much as all that, I just think they're, they're too much. You need to have two superstars – at one time, at you know, at playing at a time, it's it's better than one, even though that one is LeBron. Yeah, They're very fair, very fair. So Max, thank you for coming on the podcast. As always, they can follow you at at what is it again? Hotter two H A U T E R. Hotter two. Yes, sir. H A H A U T E R two. Follow him on Twitter. He's great. He's great with engaging with people. He always engaged with me, but I've seen him engage with pretty much anyone that tweets at him. So uh, definitely give him a follow. Thank you for coming on the show. Wouldn't have been an NBA Finals uh, 
podcast without without having you on. I'm gonna have multiple NBA Finals guests um, throughout or throughout the course of the finals. I'll have multiple guests, but had to get you on. You always do great work for me, so I appreciate that, and I appreciate the love you showed to my fellow Spartan Draymond Green. Uh, shout out, shout out MSU, shout out Spartan Nation, Sparty on. But anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host Chris Platty. You can follow me on Twitter at real Chris Platty. That's real Chris Platty, C H R I S P L A T T E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. Anyways, <laughs> you can find you can find me on iTunes. You can find me on Podbean um, as well, just by searching Chris Platty. You can find Strictly Hoop Talk as well as Strictly Hip Hop. I have both my podcasts all in one feed. Um, I will be doing a lot of hip hop podcasts soon. I will be doing. Uh, Lil Yachty album review, a Gucci album review, a Snoop Dogg album review. All those should be coming within the next week or two. Uh, as well as, again, multiple NBA podcasts, multiple Strictly Hoop Talk podcasts coming. I'm going to have Noah Lofman come back. Uh, might even do a do an immediate reaction like I did before um, with Ben again. That might be that might be something that we did, la- we did last year, and it got some great numbers, so I might bring that back again this year. But... I'll be I'll be doing some creative things for the NBA Finals, so stay tuned for that. And lastly, I will be giving you within the next week or two an update on ChrisPlatty.com as well as all the platforms I'm launching on. I want to um, figure everything out. Every I want to figure everything out and line everything up before I before I um, officially announce wh- what platforms I'm going to be on and everything. But I do expect to be on every major platform, both video and audio podcast. And as well as chrispy.com will be launching sometime in June. I hope within the next week or two to be able to give you a date of the of the launch of the site, and that will be also the date where I launch on all other uh, all other networks, all other all other websites, all other um, platforms for the podcast. So thank you for tuning in. This is strictly hoop talk. Once again, I am Chris Platy. Follow me on Twitter. That's where you'll find everything you need to know about me. And everything, um, everything you need to know about uh, me. But also follow my partners, Dead End Hip Hop and Dead End uh, Sports Talk. Uh, the Dead End Network's great. They they have a bunch of great people. People I've looked up to. People I've worked with for year. Uh, well, I've I've watched for years, and now I'm working with, which is surreal. And they they always put out great content. They have a few podcasts. They have, of course, their famous Dead End Hip Hop channel channel on YouTube. But they also have several great podcasts. Is the mic still on? Is a great one. Um, you know, they also got their off the bench, which is their sports talk one. And I've been on the off the bench. I've yet to be on. Is the mic still on? But that one, that one's a great one as well. That's a more conversational. It's not. Uh, it's not about hip hop. It's not about sports. It's just about life. So, um, those are great podcasts. Check those out. And once again, I will have updates for you soon on um, the next steps for the Strictly Hoop Talk and Strictly Hip Hop podcast. Sorry that was a long-winded uh that was a long-winded outro, but once again, Max, thank you for sticking with me and thank you for coming on the podcast, man. It's always great to have you on. Always great to be on, man. Thanks. No problem. See you soon, buddy.